This is Dating After Death, a podcast sorting out all the complicated emotions that come along with looking for love again after losing our forever person. And I am your currently anonymous host. So I talk to different people about this sometimes, but I'm not sure I've ever explicitly said that one of my goals for this podcast is to provide a really wide range of guests and stories for everyone to hear. So when I reached out to today's guest, John Fowler, it was actually really early in the planning phases for the podcast. and. He was one of the only men that I had connected with. And frankly, I was just excited that there was a man who was widowed that I could talk to and hear his story. And then also, I think that it's important for us to hear from people who have kids who are older and who are themselves in their 50s or 60s and dating looks different than it might for somebody in their 20s or their 30s or 40s. So John checked a couple of my boxes one being a man, two being slightly older, and three, having kids who are teenagers. So today we're gonna hear John's story of the tragic loss of his wife, and then his journey into online dating, and then swearing off online dating, then finding someone new. This conversation gave me some really interesting insight into anticipatory grief when walking with someone through cancer. And interestingly, like Simon, who was interviewed a few weeks ago, and you can find that episode, John also started dating relatively quickly after his wife's passing, and then his grief ended up hitting a little later. It all hits us differently, huh? It's a wild ride we're on. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with John Fowler. All right. How are you, John? I'm really good. It's so uh, nice I, to talk to you. Yeah, you too. I got to say, I was pretty nervous about doing this. I'm like, I've never done a podcast. Like, do I take a shower? Do I you know, <laughs> use mouthwash? Uh, well, I can't smell your breath. So either way, you're yeah, good. That's, a, that's true. That's good. <laughs> and I hadn't done a podcast till last month either. So, well, I've listened to a few. Um, the gentleman's name, Simon. Um, Simon. He, it was yeah. really so much of what he said really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Just in in terms of, you know, the dating part and the judgment and things. I mean, and just talking about illness in general, like it, I was actually, uh, I had, had, uh, screwed up my courage and gone to Costco for the first time since Nikki died. And, mm. and so I had my AirPods on in there and I was just listening as I was walking and it was just kind of surreal to be in there in a place that that used to be her domain. We had very, for the most part, like pretty traditional things, like she would do Costco and sign the kids up for, you know, activities and all this stuff. And I was the primary breadwinner, but I tell you what, over the last, well, even while she was sick, like I've gained such an appreciation for what moms do Mm. on a day-to-day basis. I mean, I I used to be like, why are you so tired? It's like four o'clock. And now I'm I'm like four o'clock and I'm I'm taking a nap because it's just a full-time gig to, I mean, just pediatrician appointments and the orthodontist yeah. and all that stuff. And yeah. I mean, likewise, I had that same experience even when my husband died where I was like, oh, I don't think I was giving him enough credit for everything he was doing. Yeah. You know, like l- little stuff, like the scraps off the kitchen counter kind of crap. You yeah, know, that's just dad's like, job to eat all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> dad or the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so let's start with, can you just tell us your and Nikki's story? Yeah. First, your love story. And then... Okay. It's a it's a pretty good one. Um, good. So we actually met freshman year in college. Didn't do a lot together, but we just, 
you know, I knew she was a great girl and we would run into each other at the same parties. We would play on the same intramural sports teams. Where was this? Where were you in school? In Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. And so we all, you know, this whole group of people, we all graduated and went our separate ways. And then I finally had an opportunity to move to Colorado. Mm. Uh, So I did. She moved out here. She went by way of California through a mutual friend. I found out she was um, planning to move back to Colorado. I kind of invited myself along. There was a group of girls going out. Um for dinner when she was Nikki was coming into town and I thought that'd be a you know interesting connection to re <laughs> to remake and so mm-hmm. um I went to dinner with them that night and I remember I told our mutual f- friend I said I want to marry that girl. Mm. It was New Year's Day of uh 2000. I was on my way back from skiing in the mountains in Breckenridge with a bunch of people and I called her and, you know, back in the day when you actually called somebody on a Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, I asked her if they, she and this guy were interested in getting together for dinner. I was on my way back and I actually, my words were, you know, asked her if she wanted to get together and I said, bring dumbass along if you want. And she said, (laughs) well, dumbass broke up with me uh, Mm. a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, that's, that's terrible. He really is. Uh, Yeah. So we... (laughs) We went out that night and and uh, just talked and just over the course of the next couple of months, I was I was the biggest wimp in terms of like dating. Mm. You know, one point I think it was like April. She finally had to say like, "Are you going to kiss me or what?" Like, Aww. you know, I was just so I don't want to say intimidated by her, but I you know I just didn't know what to do. Like, I just yeah. I'm, we can get to that later. Like, I'm just not good at dating. Like, okay, um, I was just going to say, but, I wonder how this connects to now. Yeah, and so. We, you know, started dating and then I think we were engaged by October of 2000 and then got married in July of Mm. 2001. Mm. It was just cute. Like everybody was so floored by like these two friends that had taken 10 years to kind of find each other. Yeah, I love that. But it was good. And and, uh, so we got married in July of 2001 and our first kid was born on our one year anniversary. Mm, That was fast. Yeah. And so, yeah, four kids later. uh, Four kids is a busy life, no matter how you slice it. Oh God. Yeah. Um, it's busy. They're close together. We had four, um, kids in four and a half years. Oh my gosh. What? So I used to, yeah, it was, was that the plan where you guys like, we just uh, want a it bunch was always of them a plan that we were going to have a lot of kids, um, okay. but it wasn't necessarily the plan that we were going to have them that close together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she had hard pregnancies mm. and, uh, part of me wonders, you know, if that was kind of the canary in the coal mine with what eventually like happened with her, with her cancer later. But, mm. um, after Sophie was born, she said, what do you think about a vasectomy? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm just sure. I, uh, I am so busy with work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get to it. Oh, and, uh, so <laughs> She called me on April Fool's Day and said, I'm pregnant. And yeah. you know, I just about fell out of my chair. And, and she was like, ha, you know, I'm kidding. And then it turns out she actually was. Oh, my gosh. I remember that night she was like, how about now? Uh, are you too busy to, to get snipped now? And I was like, nope, uh, I had an appointment and was it was done like, you know, a week later. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's something that everyone's learning in widowhood anyways. Like there's no time, right? Just like do the things. Yeah. Don't put it off. But you yeah. ended up with another kid. So that's a good yeah, thing. I mean, and it's, it's impossible <laughs> to imagine life without Thomas. And- yeah. So, John, did Nikki end up with ovarian cancer? Is that why you made the comment about her pregnancies? She was a, a marathon runner. Yeah. And- 
every day she had this training regimen and she would one day would be like, oh, I ran 20 miles today. And and um, she had just qualified. She had run the Santa Rosa Marathon mm -hmm. in California and just qualified for Boston in August of 2016. Wow. And yeah, actually, and having gone the wrong way during the course. What? And, and she's still qualified? And she's still qualified. Dang. And as it turns out, like she had cancer in her at the time. Oh my gosh. Um, so she came back from that. And then maybe a month later, we were at a friend's 40th birthday party. And I looked over and she was just kind of half doubled over and just kind of holding her stomach. And, and mm. um, you know, Nikki loved a good time. And and she came to me and she said, we need to go home. And I, I that's when I was like, something's wrong. And yeah. um, so that night, you know, we, and you, you look back and you don't know what you don't know. Like mm -hmm. we should have gone to the ER immediately. But we, you know, I got her a heating pad and she just kind of moaned and carried on. And I mean, she's tough, uh, yeah, just dealt with it all night long. And then the next morning she said, I feel better. And so I left for uh, Montana for work and she texted me and she said, uh, I need to go to the ER. You know, this was like two days later, goes to the ER, gets oh admitted. It turns out her appendix is ruptured. Oh, and she's septic. Uh, and she did point. that for two days. It like she ruptured. did that for two days. Like she drove herself out. Like, oh you know, my gosh. I don't know. I don't know how long you can go being that that sick. But I, I just was amazed. Like she was That's able to drive herself woman. out to the yeah, <sighs> yeah. And so we ended up going back in a month later because she was having more pain. Mm -hmm. And he, the surgeon, went in and got what he thought was the appendix. And then, but she started feeling better. And then um, in August of 2016, we started noticing this bulging in her abdomen and she's super fit obviously mm -hmm. and and always had a flat stomach that i was jealous of and uh <laughs> but she just hadn't really gotten that that sort of strength back like that energy yeah. level and this this bulge was happening and i said you know you really need to go check that out and so she finally went to our primary care doc and he said oh it you know it it could be an ovarian cyst okay. and he said yeah the scan looks okay like it definitely looks like a tumor but i i can go in and get it and you know, with minimally invasive surgery, which kind of amazed me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so October 2nd, she was scheduled for the surgery and she went in at, you know, six in the morning or whatever it was. And the surgeon finally comes out at maybe four o'clock. Um, <sighs> and he said, well, uh, I, I opened her up and there's cancer everywhere. <clears throat> um, and so just everything was affected. And, you know, that's one of those moments where you just <clears throat> I'll never forget sitting there like it's dark out already. It's October and it's raining, which is kind of unusual in, in Colorado. And like, yeah. I remember the thunder, you know, a thunderclap, like right when he said it, it was like mm. right out of this cheesy Hollywood script kind of thing. And mm. um, within a couple of weeks, we were up at university hospital mm -hmm. meeting with the oncologist starting on chemo. And so she did six rounds of chemo, which was horrible. Uh, and yeah. then she had a surgery and then six more rounds of chemo. And at that point, then by June of 2018, you know, the scans came back. Okay. Like we, she was yeah. exuberant, really, you know, wanting to celebrate. And, and we went on a big, long family trip. Um, mm -hmm. So by January of 2019, she was uh, kind of getting in rough shape again. And we got to January of 2020 and it just, you know, at this point you could just see the, the decline that, you know, she was losing weight fast. She was skin and bones. And I've looked mm. at the pictures since then. Um, it's weird. I wish I would have taken more pictures uh, of her mm -hmm. while she was sick. It, it's, it's such a vivid, stark reminder of what you went through. 
you know, and thank God for online school because school was a joke, you know, for mm-hmm. the kids. Like yeah, it was like course. they just sat in Zoom classes and, and, but it was good because we were all together mm-hmm. and she begrudgingly agreed to go on hospice and, and she was only on hospice for 12 days. Wow. And then the morning of the 19th, I see a figure in the door and I knew right then. Mm-hmm. It was my sister-in-law, Sheila, and she said, I think she stopped breathing. So I got up and, and came in the room and, and she had it. You know, we had just kind of an avalanche of support as much as we could because of COVID. And it was tough. I, you know, I. How long were you guys married? Would have been 19 years that in, in 2020. Yeah. And just like listening to your story, you know, you had all these years where you sort of pined after her and then you had this yeah. marriage and these kids and. I don't know. It's just, yeah, of course it's heartbreaking. And, yeah. you know, one of the questions that I had sent to you was just looking at your Instagram page, you know, I'm an outsider and every marriage is challenging. I know, but like, yeah. she just seems so incredible. So ambitious and. Oh God. The inter- I, I could not, I just, it was amazing to, to see what she could pack in in a day and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back to back to back things with the kids and, and William with us, you know, William has autism and just the, the work she put in to, to get him what he needs. And um, we didn't have a perfect marriage. Nobody does. I mean, we had we had tough months. We had tough years. Of uh, course. But we really, interestingly, like um, 2016, like I really felt like we hit our stride. Like, and then she got sick, and I can't explain that or the timing of that. I I just, but I'm grateful that we really were in a good place because we, you know, there's the the journey that people see over Caring Bridge, which I very purposefully, it was a very open, uh, positive lens into our lives. But there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of fights. Of course. I was terrified about money. Mm -hmm. Not that I wouldn't have done anything to to save her, but the wolves come out when you Mm -hmm. have cancer. Uh, the, The things that people suggest you try and mm. and the, the stuff that's out there on the internet this will absolutely cure stage four cancer kind of thing mm. and you know they all want money up front and my job yeah. was my role was to kind of vet all this stuff and if i i would say i don't think this is a good idea we would get in these like well you're just giving up on me mm. like, well mm-hmm. i'm not giving up i have a responsibility to to keep you safe and to keep this family afloat. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people to hear that too, because I think about this often, especially as, you know, there's sort of this community of us who are thinking about trying to find love again or date again. And it's like, not everybody had the same marriage, right? And like everybody had different bumps in their marriage. And some people are legit just coming out of really rough marriages and just the differences for everybody. And so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And and I'm very grateful to her Uh, early on, right after her diagnosis, we were in the kitchen. She started crying and said, just promise me you'll, you'll get married again. And I mm. said, and it was early on enough. I said, Nikki, I don't want to talk about this. Like yeah. it, we're, we're way too early to start thinking about this. And she said, no, I want you to promise me. And she said, my only condition is that they, um, that they love the kids. Mm. And I just, I said, fine, I, I agreed. And since then I've been very grateful for that because I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to, to move to this phase of my life at, with somebody not having sort of freed me to mm. to pursue happiness. Yeah, and not everybody gets that, so that's a nice right. that's a nice gift. Yeah. Okay, so since we're making that transition anyway, um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about when did you start to feel like maybe ready, or when did your mind sort of wander towards thinking about the next um, thing for you? Well, I considered what it would be like 
early on because as yeah. soon as I looked at the statistics, I'm like, oh shit, we're fucked. Like, um, <laughs> not to be too no <laughs> dark. In what, in what just, way though? I, I remember I sat with one of our pastors and I said, my only unknown was how, what's the journey going to look like? Mm -hmm. Five years or is it going to be 10 or whatever? I, you just don't- You mean the cancer itself? The cancer itself. Okay, so yeah. I, I had considered what would life be like after, sure. you know, sure, of course. The, the idea of raising four kids, one with special needs on my own, mm. scared the shit out of me. Of course. Um, and so I had considered, I guess I'll date. And what is that going to be like? Cause I had, mm. you know, I have plenty of divorced friends who had gone through and done the bumble and <laughs> Mm -hmm. Tinder and all that stuff. I'm like, is that, you know, am I going to be doing that? And, yeah. you know, I started thinking about it more obviously in 2020. And then I thought it, it's early, but I, I thought I'm going to give myself a month and then I'm just going to poke my head out of the foxhole kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually reached out to a few friends and sort of on the down low. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had thousands of people following our journey on Caring Bridge and, yeah. you know, we just had a big network. Um, mm -hmm. And I just was afraid of all that all that stuff, you know, the judgment of, oh, it's yeah. too soon. How could you do that uh, kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And so I asked a few key people. I asked people that didn't live nearby, mm -hmm. that either knew <laughs> her or knew of her enough or knew me well enough. And, you know, I said, what do you think? And, and to a person, because I really did fear judgment, but, yeah. you know, each of these people are like, you should do what you got to do it. You know, nobody can tell you your own pace. Like, yeah. do what you need to do to be happy. Yeah. I waited about a month, which sounds weird, but... I'd also, you know, and I, I talked to a therapist pretty much constantly. It was actually Nikki's therapist because mm. somebody asked me during hospice and said, do you have a therapist? And I was like, no, I don't need yeah. that. And <laughs> I said, eh, maybe you might reconsider that. So I reached out to Nikki's <laughs> therapist and I said, people need, you know, say I needed a therapist. And so she took me on, which was great because I didn't have to start with, yeah. we met in college. Oh, in totally. Like she knew all about us. Uh, she knew all the things that Nikki struggled with in her life. You know, she yeah. knew what kind of person she was. She knew all the shit about you. All the shit about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we hit the ground running. Like we got right into it. And, you know, I, I told her, like I said, I, I really want to at least explore the idea of dating. I don't know if I'm ready yet or not, but yeah. I won't know until I try. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you need to keep in mind, like you've had, what do they call it? Anticipatory grief for years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was interesting when, when Nikki died, I just, I felt relief. Like mm -hmm. I, I was surprised and a little dismayed at how numb I was to anything. Mm -hmm. And it probably helped that it was summer, but I just was like, I feel okay. Like maybe, yeah. maybe I got it all out of my system. Like maybe I don't, <laughs> maybe I'm not, this is, a, you know, as bad as I'm going to feel. Maybe I did that already. So has that been true? Did you feel like the cancer journey? Okay. No, I'll get to that. We're, okay. We're, yeah. Okay. Uh, Cause that's a great question. Um, so I got on, <laughs> I mean, I went hog wild. I, I would meet with <laughs> one of my buddies and he's like, wow, you need to slow down. Uh, I got on Tinder, Bumble, <laughs> Hinge and uh, OkCupid. Damn. Four and apps. We, yeah. And my buddy was like, <laughs> um, he's like, be careful. It's a time suck. Like, and, I was going to say, how did you even keep up with that? That is know, like a lot. It was, it was summer. It was COVID. Uh, work was absolutely at a dead stop. Uh, mm. You know, the kids were just doing their thing. And yeah. you realize you're just swiping, constantly swiping mm -hmm. and, and looking. And, and you got 10 text threads going. And, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to meet this person, but it, it just felt, what's the word? I, I don't know. I guess exhilarating to be engaged in society again. We had been absolutely... Yeah barricaded in this house for years. 
Hmm. And in this life, and now I'm talking to these healthy Mm-hmm. people who are interested in me or at least mm-hmm. on that sort of bumble level of interest. Uh, sure. <laughs> and um, so I met a few people. I mean, at one point I was scheduling like back to back, like I'd meet somebody for a drink and then I'd meet somebody after that for dinner. And that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. And it just, you know, it got to the point where it just got overwhelming and, and yeah. I did meet some really good people. I had this sort of litmus test. I, I thought, what would happen if they got sick? Mm. to a person, I'd be like, I'm out. Best of luck to you. You know, there's no mm-hmm. way I can do this again. Oh yeah. And I, I talked to my therapist about that too. And she, she's like, you know, you realize it's going to happen to somebody and it might happen to you. Like yeah. it's probably not a good standard to hold somebody up if they're like immortal. And I said, I, you mm-hmm. know, I get that, but I, I can't deal with that right now. And I don't know if I ever will be like, maybe I never will get involved with anybody again, but I, I met a woman so wait, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So was the litmus test basically like, do you take care of yourself? Are you a healthy person or because like it, you can't know no, right, if someone- that was kind of my filter was if they were somewhat into fitness, like I, um, okay. my, my test was like, how would I feel if this person came to me and said, I'm sick, you know, with some sort of long term thing, I would, sure. I thought, would I would I go, you know, should I stay or should I go? And it was always yeah. like, there's no way. I'm oh, Like, do I care about you enough to stay through a sickness? Yeah. I mean, that's okay. a fairly blunt way to put it. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I met somebody and, and started dating her. Um, well, we dated for about a month and then I sort of had this panic mm. back around Labor Day. I was like, I'm not spending enough time with the kids. And then mm. I kind of disappeared for a week and then she was very patient and, I came back a week later, kind of tail between my legs. I'm like, okay, I might have overreacted a little mm-hmm. bit there. And uh, and so we <laughs> dated until we got to December and Nikki's birthday is the week before Christmas, which mm-hmm. I always hated because you always had to kind of do something for a birthday and then turn right yeah. back around. And, and, and now you have thing on top of thing. And it just, that week before leading up to her birthday, I just felt this heaviness descend upon me. I just thought, oh shit. Like, here it comes. This is it. Um, mm-hmm. All the stuff I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I just felt it all, you know, the house of cards was coming down. Yeah. Um, I'm not fine. Mm-hmm. And mercifully, this woman broke it off with me because she, we were talking and, she, mm-hmm. you know, I, I likened it to like, if you were in a car accident or had a head trauma or something like she's asking me questions, like, do you even want to be in a relationship? And all I could come back with was, I don't know. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Um and so I think she heard all she needed to hear and yeah. and uh, ended it. And I went into this place of grief where I spent the next four months finding the saddest movies I could find, mm. a stack of grief books, listening mm-hmm. to my Nikki playlist, like just really feeling awful, but knowing that I was in the right place, like this is that. that I needed to do it. Yeah. And it's funny like to to feel that awful and and feel as weird as it sounds i felt good that i was feeling bad yeah um, yeah there's something about that it's like you don't want to go there but then sometimes you just have to let it out <laughs> yeah cuz it was the littlest things like i went to a super bowl party and i'm like driving by myself and you're just like yeah. that's something you do you know you take your little hot dish in the in the little Pyrex mm-hmm. container and you show up and I'm just like showing up by myself like a dumbass yeah. with nothing in hand and yeah and then you know there was somebody at the party that was annoying I, somebody I didn't know and mm-hmm. I'm driving away I'm like I don't have anybody to 
talk you know, to that, about this that's annoying when you guy. would talk to your spouse like you would be like do you believe that person kind of thing it's just the the little things like that and that's the stuff you miss so much the you know the unspoken looks and the mm-hmm. and the the knowing of the inside joke from 15 years ago and yeah. and that kind of stuff so i just really leaned into feeling awful um mm-hmm. and then um so i rekindled with the woman from the previous year kind of in april i hmm. in retrospect it was probably the one who broke it off with you yeah mm-hmm. um you know i thought i think i'm okay now mm-hmm. it turned out um you know i i was so busy trying to be in a relationship that i wasn't considering if she was an actual good match a wonderful woman mm-hmm. but just not for me mm-hmm. um I couldn't help but project down the road, like, how is this going to work integrating families? Like, how will the kids take this? Um, And that's the weird thing with these apps. Like you aren't, you don't really start in a place of friendship. You just, it's like, hi, nice to meet you. What's our status? Yeah. (laughs) I thought, you know, because at this point now the kids are 20, 18, 16, and 15. And it's not Mm -hmm. like, I mean, they're savvy. I can't just march somebody into the house and say, yeah, is your dad's new girlfriend? (laughs) Um, and so that ended, um, and then, uh, at that point I was like, never again on the, on the dating apps. I'm listening to you talk about this idea of like projecting into Mm -hmm. the future. And I do that same thing. And in my current relationship, I think it's, it's, it's an issue because I'm constantly like, well, when's the next thing, right? Like, and I'm, I'm trying to really discern, like, is that me or is he too afraid of it or, you know, whatever. I'm wondering if that's something that we all sort of do since we had this great marriage or we had this marriage and we were already thinking long term if we're just like so ingrained to do that. I think so. I you know, my I think we're wired, whether we started out that way or not, we're wired to be in a in a committed relationship. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing for us is that we've had a front row seat to just how awful life can get. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but apply that to your how you see your life moving forward. Yeah, it's no longer theoretical for you know somebody to get sick and and die. Like you, yeah, you, you've witnessed it. And so uh, on the one hand, it's it's pretty scary. Uh, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, I uh, for me, it's almost liberating because you know I feel like I have such a unique, and I think widows and widowers have such a unique perspective in that as lame of a day as you may have for work or whatever. Like I, I wake up every day and I'm not exaggerating. Like I wake up every day and, and I'm like that guy in Jerry Maguire. Like I slap my hands and, and I'm like, I get another shot to do this. Mm. Again. Like whether I sucked at being a parent the day before, mm-hmm. or, you know, I kind of mailed it in with work. I wake up every day. So grateful for the opportunity to, to do it a little better. And yeah. there's still and that's a plenty beautiful of days. thing. Plenty of days where I suck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <it>. likewise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're not going to do the dating apps anymore. You were saying no. Um, here's the the twist in the story: is mm. um, one of the people I reached out to early on, you know, became kind of a supporter. Uh, you know, she reached out after Nikki died about a month later and and said, "How are you doing? Just mm-hmm. think about you and the kids." And and um, we started texting back and forth a lot. She lives in a different country. So there were some time differences there, but just really forming a friendship, uh, extraordinarily funny, smart woman, and Hmm. just uh, a friendship there, like really 
humor, picking each other up about, you know, various things and her being supportive. I, I told her all my dating stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, late last summer, like kind of getting into fall, mm-hmm. she kind of basically let it slip that, you know, she was not too happy about hearing about the latest person I was dating. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. she said, you know, I, I was surprisingly unenthusiastic about hearing about <laughs> this new person. And I was like, yeah. whoa, wait, what? And so the tone of the conversation changed. Mm-hmm. And um, she came back to the States to visit family once, you know, travel restrictions permitted. We'd never met. We knew of each other in college. She was in Nikki's sorority, mm. and but we'd never met. But it was really interesting because we had like some of my closest friends are also some of her closest friends. It was kind of amazing yeah. that we didn't know each other. And we agreed. I drove back to her hometown to to meet her for the first time. And um, mm. it was one of those, um, you know, when I was seeing somebody else, uh, a friend of mine said, do you love her about this other person I was seeing? And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, I don't know. And uh, yeah. I thought, you know, you'll know when you know kind of thing. And I went out with, with this friend and I knew within 30 seconds. Mm. And so it has just really taken off. So she, we spent a great weekend there. You know, I stayed at my friend's house. She stayed at her parents' house, like all above mm-hmm. board, you know, everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody behaving themselves. <laughs> and um, and then she came out to Denver and stayed in a an Airbnb nearby. Mm-hmm. And we just did a ton of stuff together and and did she meet the kids she did um i framed it up as i invited you know one of these mutual friends we have over that the kids know yeah Um, these were all mom's friends and so they came over and you know it was just kind of the most amazing night because it was an energy in the house i hadn't felt for a long time yeah just uh i don't even i mean buzzing like it just i just Mm. i had forgotten what being happy really happy felt like it had been kind of tamped down for so long. And my daughter is, uh, I don't know when you women pick it up. You guys like, are you guys, are you guys dating? You know, she asked me that. There's an energy. Yeah. And I said, you know, Sophie, I I don't know. Like she lives in this other place. Like, I I don't know. Said, I really like her. She makes Mm -hmm. me happy. Um, we're just going to see what, what happens. And Hmm. Sophie's like, Okay. Like you could tell she had that sort of <laughs> the knowing look. Yeah, you know, like uh, my radar's up on you guys. When my kids first met my boyfriend, my therapist was like, Don't try to pretend you're not seeing each other. Even though they're little, my kids are seven and nine. They're gonna know. Like they will read your body language and your eye contact and they're just gonna know. Yeah. She's like, You can't pull anything over on them. Yeah, and that's good advice. I, I thought because for a long time I would just be like, Oh, we're just friends, like yeah, uh, and I like her and you know, I, I think Sophie just had that look like you're full of shit. Like <laughs> you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Uh, so, so when it was time for the friend to go back to her life, yeah, she said, Hey, where I'm staying, her place wasn't available for her to go back to. She said, what do you think about me staying longer? Mm. And so I said, absolutely, please stay. And so she stayed for the entire month of March, oh, just wow. left last week. Part of it, house sitting for a friend of mine. Uh, part of it, we went out of town together. Part of it, she was back in this Airbnb. And then the last sort of eight days, um, she was looking at Airbnbs and we were like, this is a stupid use of your money. I have a house. Uh, and Just stay here. Yeah. You know, we'd been trying to shielding the kids. And I said, just, you can stay in the guest room. Yeah. Like, well, everybody will behave themselves. And <laughs> it was funny. I, um, cause the boys just love her. Like, 
boys are, we're simple creatures, you know? <laughs> and I remember asking my youngest, I said, you know, she, she doesn't have a place to stay yet. We, we haven't found anything. Would you be okay if, and I didn't even get the rest of the sentence. And my youngest is like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she was totally, totally good with it. They and, can probably feel the energy too, you know, yeah, just like the happiness. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so she stayed here for a little over a week. It was amazing. She actually helped me clean and purge so much stuff from Mm. the house. And in such a way, I'm amazed at how sensitive to the kids and sensitive to me and Mm. making Nikki always present. She said that early on. Yeah, I asked her one time when we were texting, you know, during this time difference, I said, you know, you're going to have to tell me if you ever get tired of me bringing her up or whatever. Like it's hard to not, Yeah, you know, you have your whole 19 life. years of marriage <laughs> yeah. and then 10 years of friendship before that. Like it, it she's such a center major part of my of life. And she said, you know, John, Nikki would always be at the center of any relationship we mm. have. And I just was like, wow, you know, nobody to that point had ever made me feel that secure about the situation. And it's nice to have somebody who knew her at some level. Yeah. And yep. just at yeah. least you have that sort of and to share. Yeah. Does she have kids of her own? Nope. Okay. Which is uh, helpful. Uh, but she did raise stepkids in her okay. marriage. Okay. So she's got experience with, you know. Being a stepmom. Poor thing. Like this, <laughs> she's going through this again, you know, because mm-hmm. my daughter is, she's been good, but I, I knew she'd be the one that would be the tough one yeah. to uh, to kind of win over. And, and I think, I know she'll get there, but yeah. nobody's got hard feelings about anything. She, this woman is very, she's like, look, I get it. I'm not, I'm not taking any of it personally. Yeah. And, Sophie hasn't been awful. She's just, it's more ambivalence and kind of avoiding us. Sure, yeah. Um, that makes which sense. she was doing with me already anyway. Like uh, I tell people <laughs> like, you know, the boys, I understand. Mm-hmm. Sophie, I, I feel like there's just varying levels of saying and doing the wrong thing Yeah. Uh, with her. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. Like, and, and I can see myself projecting into the future now, kind of without that fear. Mm, that's so nice. I do my thinking in the shower. I call them my thinking showers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually read something about that. Like, yeah. you know, your mind sort of clears away from some of your tactical day-to-day things and you can kind of drift. Yeah, and I love that. I'm in there. And uh, one day, probably back in February, I, I sort of had this, you know, my litmus test mm-hmm. came up. I thought, what if she got sick? And I thought I'd stick. Mm, like, yeah. And so that's yeah, big. here we are. Yeah. So she's on her way home and then I'm going to visit her there in June. And then the plan is for her to move back to Denver. Wow. All right. That's exciting. It is exciting. I'm I'm excited. I haven't been this excited in a long time. That's great. I'm really super happy for you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. We're going to do some quick questions since we're running out of time. Okay. Also, I just wanted to ask you when you were on the dating apps, did you Uh feel like the widowed unicorn? Did you like, do you, have you heard this term before? That men are like a, a unicorn? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you feel like I, that? I had a friend ask me one time, um, I went out with, you know, early on, uh, again, I went out on a ton of dates and, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody asked me like, do they, did she want to get together again? I said, they all do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, um, the look on your face, my, like, uh, duh. My high school friend, I reached out to my high school friend and she's like, look, don't get too big of a head. Like you're <laughs> this age, like you have, you have hair, you have your teeth, you have a job. <laughs> 
and you're somewhat, you know, emotionally stable. And you so were married. For, yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, that's a real thing. So this is so interesting though, because I think like for men, this is an assumption. I'm not a man or a widowed man, but it feels like, yeah, I can like sort of lean into that. And I think a lot of us women feel more like, I don't know, I have a lot of baggage and this is complicated. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's just so fascinating, the difference and what society says the difference is and a million questions yeah, it, I don't know how to answer. Is, uh, I, I do think it's a little bit of a unfair playing field for men versus women at this point in our lives. Yeah, um, that's just the way it is. Okay, so um, quick question. So you did online dating. Did you put your widow status on your profile? I didn't. Uh, I always put single. And then if I was in that sort of chatting phase with somebody and we were getting to the point where uh, we were going to meet in person, I would always say, hey, just so you know, like I'm a widower. Yeah. Uh, my wife died, you know, X amount of months ago or whatever. Um, yeah. If that's weird for you, um, I totally understand. Like we can stop this right here. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, nobody ever did. They were like, "Oh wow, you know, like I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. You know, you got to do things at your own pace and process." And nobody ever had an issue with it. Yeah. So you always said you always told people before actually meeting in person. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's what yep. I had done too. Um, do you see yourself getting married again someday? I didn't hmm. until our mystery uh, <laughs> participant uh, came along. Okay. And now I, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. All right. That's good. Um, so maybe this doesn't apply, but could you see yourself having more kids? Oh, God, no. <laughs> like four is enough in any sense. I always tell people, they'll, they'll say like, wow, you have four kids? And I say, yeah, but you know, they make it seem like more. <laughs> and then we'd pull up to places in this god awful minivan and it was like a clown car. Just <laughs> bodies kept coming out of the car. Uh, and then they're friends. Four kids is plenty. Uh, yeah. And I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. My youngest yeah. will graduate in three years. And, so close. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you open to setups from your friends or would you, or were you? Or I was, there was people I was actively asking like, Ooh, you know, you're friend so-and-so what's their story and i was at at that point i was kind of open to anything yeah okay um did gender experimentation ever come up for you no okay regular self-gratification um yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) um sleepovers in your bed that you shared with nikki no not yet okay and do you anticipate that or do you think you'll change something up i don't have any problem with it um I have a good friend who's a widow in Nebraska, uh, a friend of a friend connected us and she's been an amazing resource for me. And she actually just got engaged. Her husband mm. died right after Nikki. Um, she's awesome, but she couldn't sleep in her bedroom. She hasn't slept in it ever since. And oh, even herself. Yeah. Oh. And you know what? It makes me wonder, like maybe I would sleep better if I didn't sleep in here, but I'm I'm not going to go take one of the kids' rooms. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> You've got the ensuite probably. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's weird. Like Nikki, I'm so grateful. A friend in the neighborhood came by during hospice and said, do you have a hospital bed? And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. And she said, do you want Nikki dying in your bed? And I thought, uh, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So we did that. So That's I don't know, smart. maybe there's some sort of, maybe I don't associate that with being in here. And I've sure. changed up the room a little bit, but um, yeah. Yeah. Really long answer. Okay. No, no, no sleepovers yet. Okay. All right. Could you, or okay. What did you do about swiping with people named Nikki or people who looked like her? I swiped immediately. I didn't want to date anybody with the same name. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Um, and people who looked like her? Um, that's a good question. I actually, when I, early on in, in the process, like a friend of mine pointed out this woman I was seeing, she's like, wow, she totally different. I, I didn't consciously set out, but I sort of realized everybody I was 
seeing, whether it was one date or multiple, mm -hmm. looked nothing like her. Yeah, and I think that maybe was a little bit of a defense mechanism mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because yeah. uh, this was all before that sort of mental collapse happened in December of 2020. Mm. A couple of people have mentioned to me that that this new person in my life looks like Nikki, mm. which I don't know, maybe in terms of like a huge, magnificent smile. Um, mm. <laughs> I don't I don't really see it, but, yeah, you know, I don't know. OK, interesting. Do you know the term widow's fire? I had to look it up because I listened to it on your other <laughs> okay. podcast. OK. Did you feel that? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so you recommended a couple songs for our playlist. Interestingly, mm -hmm. one of them had been recommended already, but I would love to hear your explanation. That was the Avid Brothers song. Yeah. No Hard Feelings. Yeah. Um, that one would just have music playing all the time. Me too. And we had this station that was kind of built around Avid Brothers and Gregory Allen Isaacoff. Yes. I don't know if you know him or oh, not, yeah. but that was Nikki's favorite. He's actually from Colorado. Mm. And that was the last concert she and I had gone to was Gregory Allen Isaacoff and we had gone as well. at Red Rocks. Mm. Yeah. And I had never heard this song. And then over the course of her being sick, I remember it's amazing how things work out. I had a friend that texted and said, Hey, I'm coming over. Like, why don't you go take a break? Mm -hmm. And it, it happened to be, I was just, you know, kind of at my wits end with taking care of her that day. Yeah. Like she was not a good patient. Like in the end, those were her, you know, defiant and things like that, that served her sure. well in terms of being sick. But I used to drive over to, I couldn't think of any place to go. I would sit at the Home Depot parking lot mm. and I would just sit there and stare and watch people go in and out mm -hmm. and think this is what the rest of the world is doing. They're like mm -hmm. doing projects at home, like living their lives and the music's on and, and this song comes on and I'm listening to it and I look up the lyrics and I'm like, oh my God, this is it's such an amazing look at in the process of dying. Mm. Like, what do we do? We should do is evaluate what's important, you know, lay down my rings and the keys to my house, like mm -hmm. let go of your worldly possessions and your preconceived notions. And you focus on the relationships and the, the people that have been there for you in your life. And it just, I must've listened to that song five times a day, every day for mm -hmm. two years. Yeah. And then, uh, I still have this playlist that I, of Nikki songs that I just, that are meaningful to me and us over the course of our lives. And, but that one is just always the one that that I come back to. And interestingly, um, at one point, my niece, me, my daughter, and this very good friend, Emily, who um, was Nikki's best friend and has since become one of my best friends. It's funny how this process shakes out. She's actually very good friends with Mystery Woman. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe we can reveal her in a later podcast. <laughs> but um, the four of us were in there sitting in this hospital on the edge of this hospital bed, and this song came on. And Nikki's at this point lost consciousness, mm -hmm. like not, not with us anymore. And she sat up and did that thing where you kind of reach for mm -hmm. something, eyes closed, how she had the strength in her abdominal muscles to just sit up and sat straight up and was reaching and reaching and kind of mumbling, muttering some words to herself. Mm -hmm. And my friend Emily went over and positioned herself behind Nikki and you know, within a minute or so, Nikki just sort of collapsed into Emily's, mm -hmm. you know, embrace from behind. Mm -hmm. And I just sobbed. Mm -hmm. And that was really the last of anything. She died three wow. days later. And I'm, I'm convinced that was her soul leaving her body because mm -hmm. that was the last sort of anything. Uh, and that just happened to be the song that came on. Yeah. And, and for a long time, Sophie, it would come on and she'd be like, can you please skip it? 
I don't want, mm-hmm. I can't listen to mm-hmm. it. And she has since come around and just yesterday, I think she said, that's, that's my favorite song mm-hmm. ever. It's, she's kind of embraced it as, I mean, it's just so perfectly written. Yeah. Um, the other song you recommended was Visiting Hours by Ed Sheeran. Yeah. My niece who was actually in the room for that thing, she's a nurse up in Fort Collins now. And, uh, I was mowing the lawn one day in my, you know, I lead a pretty exotic life, uh, <laughs> doing yard work and, and, uh, going to Costco <laughs> and whatnot, but, uh, Home Depot parking you know, I have my AirPods in and she texts me and says, I just heard the song Ed Sheeran had just come out with the mm. song and I played it and my knees buckled. Like I, I had to sit down in the lawn. Like it just mm. was, mm-hmm. it was like I had written the words myself. Yeah. Like he's talking about if I could just talk to you for a minute and find out what you would do in yeah. this situation. Cause that's the stuff I struggle with the most yeah. is what would she have done in, in relative to the kids? Yeah. Like in the everyday life stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, should I be pushing harder here? Should I back off here? Yeah. Should I, you know, cause now you're the mom and the dad, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've gone and had to buy tampons at midnight and yeah. I've had to go to, you know, buy all the haagen and the gummy worms and mm-hmm. all that. One of my, the mom friends we have, she was like, go out and get her ice cream. Oh. And <laughs> I don't know about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're learning. <laughs> yeah. All right, John. So final question is what is one thing you're looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to feeling like our family is whole again. Mm. Um, and I hope that it's with this person, mm-hmm. um, but just being able to sit down at a dinner together or go out or just be together and feel like everybody's included. And I, and I mean, Nikki as well, like yeah. it just, it would feel good to feel whole again. It feels good to be happy again, but you know, there's still sort of that fear of the unknown that goes on. It would be, it would be nice to, to be able to let go of that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this and for sharing so openly about your story. Thank you. And it was great. Everything going on. Hopefully we'll check in with each other as time goes on. All right. Sounds good. All right, John. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. So we actually just have a few more weeks left of season one of Dating After Death, the podcast. And then I am going to take some time off this summer to do some really fun things with my kids and perhaps sprinkle in some bonus episodes over the summer. But I have some pretty big and exciting plans for season two, which will start after Labor Day. So we'll end this one around Memorial Day and then start again once the school year starts up. Thank you so much for being here with me. I absolutely love this community and I want to reach more people. So if you're listening I would just ask that you could rate the show. It makes like a huge difference for visibility. So click on those stars or actually just subscribe and follow the show. That helps even more. All those little things that just take a second really make a big impact for the show itself. That's it for today. This has been Dating After Death. We'll see you next time.